everyone, welcome to episode 4 of season 2 of the Therapist Friend Podcast. Thank you so very much for being here. I hope you are all having a lovely day so far, whether it is the morning, the afternoon, or the evening. How are we doing, you guys? If I am correct, and if we are on schedule, which we are set to be, this episode should be coming out two weeks from my last upload, which is how it should be, but we all know I struggle with being consistent. So alas, here we are. Today's episode topic was actually decided by all of you over on Instagram. Um, If you don't already follow me, I will leave my handle in the episode description. Um, But thank you so much if you guys answered on that poll. Um, Again, social comparison as a teenager or something of that sort, maybe not that exact title, will be coming out next next week. So either way, you guys get to hear both topics. It was just a matter of which one came first and you guys picked relationships. Um, Which, can I just say, relationships I feel like is a topic that, I mean, considering the objective of my podcast is one of the most, what's the word I'm looking for? One of the most important topics I could possibly talk about, maybe beside like boundaries, but relationships are really important throughout your entire life. And I'll talk about how relationships are different for young people or teenagers not even just teenagers, I mean like early 20s, I'd imagine too, Um, how that's a little bit different. But anyway, before we get into that, how has your guys' ideally two weeks been since I've last spoken to you? Um, I've got to say, going back to school after spring break went a lot more smooth than I was expecting. Granted, it was a short week, and next week is also a short week, Um, but that's not me complaining. Uh, School has been just swell. Music has been nice. Um, I've been really enjoying not having musical (laughs) and being able to like work out after school and actually have time to like watch shows and unwind. It's a crazy concept, I know. Um, And even like the extra homework time. I hope you all also had a lovely Easter weekend. As I'm recording this, I'm just finishing up my uh, Easter long weekend and it was nice on my end. I got to sleep in, had a nice dinner with my family, got to spend time with some friends got to spend time with the boy, all the stuff that you will be hearing later in this episode. Oftentimes, but be sure to let me know what you got up to. I don't care if it's a DM at 2am. Hey, Juliana, I did so-and-so. Swell. Love to hear it. But let's get into today's episode without further ado. Um, There are two ways this episode could go. (laughs) Um, I have a chunky outline. Um, It's pretty dense. So, this is, like, you guys are already going to know the answer to this, but this is either going to be a very quick episode because I already have my points almost fully thought out um, without examples. Usually examples and, like, life experiences just come to me, and I use those as, like, for reference, this is what it looked like in my life, if you get what I mean. Um, or this episode's going to take 30 years because I have too many life experiences to share. Um That being said, this episode is going to be similar but not identical to the episode titled Dating as a Teenager that I posted forever ago, Um, and there's a few reasons as to why that is. So firstly and most importantly, I have gone through a lot more life experience in this context when it comes to relationships. Of course, platonic relationships. Shocker, guys, I have friends. Crazy. Um, But also romantically. Um, in the sense that I'm currently in a romantic relationship, um, and I've also gone through a romantic relationship that has ended. Um, 
And at the time that I recorded that last episode, Dating as a Teenager, I was with my former partner at the time. So things are changing. At this point, I've gone through a breakup. I've gone through friend breakups. And currently, I am so pleased (laughs) with my social circle and with my current partner. Um, And I just feel like I'm in a good place to be able to talk about this. And that's not to say I'm not going to continue to grow, um, you know, as a person, but like with my knowledge of relationships and becoming more self-aware of like my patterns as a counterpart in relationships and such. Um, But yeah, I mean, point number one, I just have more life experience, period. Uh, Number two, rather than just covering dating and romantic relationships, this episode is going to cover that and some. So I'm also going to be talking about friendships, aka platonic relationships, relationships with no romantic connection, Um, which I feel like, again, is more important, honestly, not more important, but important if not more important, I should say, um, just because like not everyone is dating as a teenager, but I would hope that most of us have friends. <laughs> um, and if not, we'll talk about it in this episode. So, um, oh, might I also direct you to my episode that I uploaded forever ago called Finding the Right Circle. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you if it lives up to the standard of my episodes now, but it's out there. Um, let's get right into this. So how are young slash teenage relationships any different from, you know, any other relationship? I would argue this also applies to like early 20s. Um, And as relationships are important throughout your entire life, it's kind of important for me to kind of point out why this episode is going to be different because it's directed at younger people. Um, Now, I'm again, I'm conflicted about what to title this episode. Obviously, now that it's out, it has a title um, because I feel like it's not just limited to teenagers, like this section of life (laughs) I'm trying to like describe. Um, Yeah, again, early 20s, teenagers, but anyway, we'll see. So how, how is this period of our life different in terms of relationships than when we are much older? So firstly, our lives revolve around being social. If you think of high school and college slash university, we are at school for so much of our day-to-day lives. We are at school so much of the week, so much of the day, and we are constantly surrounded by a bunch of people our age, which is basically a hotspot to make friends and make connections and, you know, potentially find romantic interests, right? That just happens. Secondly, we are just starting to explore who we are. Now, this is a very specific way I've decided to word this because I've said in the past, like, oh, being a teenager is figuring out who you are. But after talking to more people and after kind of just thinking about it more, life is just an endless journey of figuring out who you are. And you don't, you know, become 20 years old and suddenly you are the same person you are for the rest of your life. It doesn't work like that. So rather than saying we are discovering who we are only as teenagers, we are just starting to explore who we are. So very specific particular wording there, but just thought I'd make that clear. You know, we are transitioning into the adult world where we are more independent. And, you know, it's kind of nice to be a little bit comfortable 
<laughs> with yourself, ideally, um, and know what you like, know what you don't like, so you can know what to avoid um, when you transition into a world of much more independence. Lastly, what sets apart teenage slash young relationships to any other relationship is that life moves extra fast when you're young. That's not to say there are going to be periods in your life in the future where life feels like it's moving super fast, but especially when we're young, things are constantly changing. Um, and I believe that has to do with just going through school and trying to figure out, you know, if you would want to do post-secondary, what program are you taking? Like, people are constantly changing, people are traveling a lot. I think it's safe to say that's where it comes from, but at the end of the day, what that means is that our values and our humor change frequently, which means our preferences of the types of people and who we want to spend our time around, who we want to form relationships with, is going to change frequently. And this can cause issues for a lot of people because people change really fast in high school. And like, I know it's a salty thing to say for some people being like, oh, you've changed. And that's honestly one of my like favorite things to hear <laughs> in high school is hearing people be like, oh, they changed. Of course they changed. We're babies. <laughs> like, again, we are just starting to explore who we are. So naturally, change is going to happen. And with personal change comes change of friend groups and such. So that's really important to point out. Um, something that I don't even think I mentioned last time I spoke about relationships, friendships in general. But yeah, just some context, some things to keep in mind while you're going about your listening today. But let's go into what defines a healthy relationship. So what I've done is I've listed out the textbook definition. So ideas that people would mostly agree would define a healthy relationship. Um, and I've also got a little something at the end that I believe is also important in a healthy relationship. But for the textbook definition, to have a healthy relationship, we need mutual respect. We need trust. We need honesty. We need compromise. And we need individuality. I would also add something that is equally as important as all of those, I would say, is chemistry slash passion. And this is especially, especially, especially important in romantic connections. So those are, those are some positives that we absolutely need <laughs> to have a healthy relationship. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to define each of those ideas, including the extra little one I added at the end being chemistry and passion. Um, and I'm going to basically show you guys what that looks like, examples of that, personal experiences. But alongside that, I want to define what an unhealthy relationship looks like because being able to identify both is what you need. It's all you need in your toolkit to be able to evaluate your current relationships and the kinds of relationships you want moving forward. So then what defines an unhealthy relationship? So these are all just textbook definitions. Again, things we would all agree define an unhealthy relationship. So unhealthy relationships might include hostility, aka bullying or intimidation. Um, unhealthy relationships might include too much insecurity. They might include dishonesty, control, and or dependence. So it's important to note with all of these negatives and all of these potential aspects of an unhealthy relationship is that sometimes, not all the times, not often, sometimes 
people don't actually intend on these. Maybe they don't actually intend to be controlling or they don't intend to be very dependent on you. So before, you know, going forward, listening to this podcast, if if you are looking for a step to take when you're feeling this from your counterpart, when you're feeling maybe a bit of control, a bit of dependence, the most important thing to do is communicate. And I will be get going into communication and the importance of communication a little later as we go forward. But it's just really important that I throw that note in there that just to say it plain, the best way to debunk and see if, you know, is this just who they are? Is something going on in their lives? Is to just have a heart-to-heart conversation and be honest. But I will elaborate more on literally all of that um, for the rest of this episode. So what an exciting time. Here we go. So essentially what I'm going to do is I'm pairing up um, an aspect of a healthy relationship. So this first one is going to be mutual respect. What does mutual respect look like? And I'm going to be comparing it to an aspect of an unhealthy relationship. Now I'm picking pairs that make the most sense together. So for my first little pair here, I've got mutual respect and I've got hostility. Um, So let's get right into it. So what does mutual respect look like in a relationship, in a healthy relationship? I mean, to put it plain, don't be a butt. Don't be rude. And that might seem obvious, but you might be surprised how much you let slide when you just start being a little bit more conscious of how people talk to you in your relationships. So don't be a bum. (laughs) Secondly, respect your counterpart's beliefs and having your counterpart respect your beliefs. Not everyone is going to share the same beliefs, so it's really important to at least respect that idea that everyone is unique in that sense, even if you might not agree um, with some of their beliefs. As long as it's not harming you, then you're golden. Next is being compassionate. I mean, pretty self-explanatory. No two people are the exact same. So it's really important to kind of put yourself in their shoes sometimes, see where they're coming from. Again, you don't always need to agree. A lot of people think that a healthy relationship is just saying yes all the time. And, you know, it's not always rainbows and butterflies. And I feel like we all know this. We get told this a lot. But again, it's not something you really start to notice or think of until you intentionally try to notice and think of these things, right? And lastly, mutual respect in a healthy relationship looks like not belittling or diminishing their slash your interests. I feel like we've all had that moment where you are just so passionate talking about something you love, something you're excited about, and you're either not acknowledged at all, or they say something backhanded or passive-aggressive basically making you feel like an idiot for being excited about something you love. And I think, again, that's just a universal experience. I know for a fact that 90% of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That that cannot slide. (laughs) That actually cannot slide in healthy relationships, especially if it happens often. Again, these are things that can happen unintentionally. So if you're ever on edge, if you feel like, man, I know this person didn't mean this, just just talk to them. Be like, hey, I felt a little disrespected. I wasn't a huge fan of when this happened. Is something going on? Can I help you with anything? What was that about? You should be able to feel like you can ask those questions in relationships. I'm getting ahead of myself. I will talk more about that in my next point here. But 
So not doing that, not belittling and diminishing people's interests is absolutely essential. Have people be excited about what they want to be excited about. Respect what they're excited about. You don't need to reciprocate that interest or that excitement, but just let people be themselves. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I say this from a from a place of been there, done that. Goodness. Hostility. So what I would say is the opposite of mutual respect is hostility. So what does hostility look like in a relationship? It looks like bullying self-explanatory. It looks like constantly challenging your counterpart's beliefs um, and interests, realistically. Not everything is an argument. And here we go. Here's here's where the self-disclosure comes through. When your counterpart might have a bit of an ego, or if you have a bit of an ego, feeling the need to argue or feeling the need to be right, having like a superiority complex that is a thing. That That is real. <laughs> That'll happen. And that just leads to endless arguments and kind of a power imbalance, um, which is an example of hostility and an example of what could be an unhealthy relationship because seriously, what is that? Anyway, moving on. Um, lastly, my third example of what hostility looks like in a relationship is not being able to see the other side not being able to empathize, put yourself in your counterpart's shoes and see where they're coming from. Again, this is something that is so important when it comes to communication, but also just in general, right? I feel like I don't need to come up with some example for that, and all those things are quite easy to digest there, but in short, for mutual respect and hostility, look out for those things. There's one way you can evaluate your relationships. Moving on to my next little pair, I've got Trust and honesty together, because in my eyes, you can't have one without the other. So trust and honesty, and paired with trust and honesty is insecurity and, of course, dishonesty. Now, trust and honesty are two things that can be, honestly, the hardest parts of a relationship. Many relationships end because of insecurity and dishonesty, right? So the opposite of trust and honesty I mean, I can say that my first romantic relationship ended because of this. I'll get into that more later, but just to kind of emphasize on the importance of these two things, I'm sure you can think of relationships in your life, whether they be your own or your friends, your families that struggle with trust and honesty because they're, they're simple concepts um, in theory, but in practice, they can be a little daunting, a little challenging, right? It can leave people feeling, you know, helpless, um, and it, it, it's just hard, but it's so necessary and let's get into why that is. So before that, what does trust and honesty look like in a relationship? It looks like being able to be vulnerable and authentically yourself, or at least feeling like you are free to be vulnerable and authentic. If you have to put a filter on yourself Whenever you are around your counterpart, so again, whether this be friends or a partner, that's unhealthy. If you can't let go and just be yourself, that's an issue, right? And I remember my my boyfriend saying way, I believe this was actually before we were dating. I can't remember the context, but it was something along the lines of like, I'm just going to be myself and if people like me, awesome. If people don't, awesome. And that's like... It's a pretty obvious, like, and simple idea, but it's powerful. 
right? Because you shouldn't have to fit into other people's molds, right? It's just like your clothes. Like, you don't buy clothes so you can fit into them. You don't come in sizes. It's the clothes that come in sizes. Anyway, <laughs> very passionate about that one. Um, but again, so important. Being able to be vulnerable, being able to be yourself. It's so simple and so crucial. Second is feeling free to ask questions. Um, this is going back to something I briefly mentioned earlier, but asking questions about their past, asking questions about their future, about their thoughts, their, you know, potentially their insecurities and such, if you're like on that level. Just having open communication. This is the big C word, you guys, the scary word. <laughs> um, but honestly, again, another example um, uh, with me and my partner we both have romantic histories, his maybe a little more complex and potentially longer than mine. And I remember him just like looking at me like in my eyes and just being like, if you have questions about anything, if you want to know anything about my past, like I want you to know that you can feel comfortable just like asking me anything and I'll answer because it's only fair that you know about all this stuff if like I'm going to be with you moving forward. And that was so powerful. Like I will literally never forget that because previously i had not even had that kind of communication in like a friendship so if guys if you can find someone who can speak to you like that and be that vulnerable and that ready to just be honest and and talk that is so powerful it is so powerful and so valuable and make sure if you have people in your life that are like that that you hold them tight because those are those are real ones what can i say um <laughs> But asking questions about the future, I mean, what are their plans, right? If you're going to be a part of their life as a friend or as a partner, you know, it's it's nice to know what they've got planned for the future. And I've mentioned this before, but this is actually something that apparently was an issue to my last partner. And lastly, trust and honesty in a healthy relationship looks like if something's not working, let them know. Or, you know, they let you know because... Like I said earlier, after describing those ideas in, a, in an unhealthy relationship, being able to speak up, that'll keep you afloat in all of your relationships. Because, you know, things, often things are not just going to fix themselves. You can ignore certain issues. You can move past and distract yourself from certain issues. But when things get bad, if you're not able to confront your counterpart and be like, hey, listen, this is happening. This is what's going on what does your side look like? Same idea. So that's what trust and honesty looks like. Two very, very crucial things in a healthy relationship. Um, so in that case, what does insecurity and dishonesty look like in a relationship? So insecurity and dishonesty can look like feeling restricted naturally. It can, it can be like feeling forced into a mold. I remember in my former, you know, big friend group that I was in for the first couple years, um, of high school, I, I believe I was in a place where I just really desperately wanted to have a circle of friends that I could rely on and stick with. So that aspect of my life, the social aspect of my life would just be stable. And then I could focus on my sports, on my music, on my academics, on all of that. But truth is they just weren't the right people for me. And I found myself forcing myself into this person that I wasn't just so that I could feel like I belonged there um, and just so that I could feel a little accepted, which is so crappy <laughs> looking back on. And I'm so happy I'm past that point and I feel like I can just be myself now. 
super awesome. Great feeling. Secondly, being afraid to ask questions, naturally, if you fear asking questions or if you if, if you are feeling any emotion that is so overwhelming that you can't bring yourself to communicate, that is concerning. That is that is a red flag. But but seriously, um, in that case, you'd have to evaluate, you know, your health. How are you doing? What's going on in your life that's making it this hard to open up to this person? And then you you start evaluating the relationship, right? That's where things get more complicated and that's where things, you know, that's when you need to start thinking, I would say. That's the first little bump in the road. Um, insecurity and dishonesty looks like lying. Of course, that is the definition of dishonesty. Um, it It does happen. In the same vein, hiding things from your counterpart or your counterpart hiding things from you. Like, obviously, no relationship is going to have two people knowing everything about each other. And it's important to have things you keep to yourself. But if you're hiding things that could impact the relationship, cough, cough, cheating in romantic relationships, obviously that is an issue. And like even little things like not knowing, okay, this, this one is so difficult because everyone has different ideas of what cheating looks like and then their definitions like soft cheating. And there are different ideas of what is considered to be cheating is I think what I'm trying to say here. But that's why you just need to be able to be open and communicate with these people. Um, I know with both of my romantic relationships thus far, the only two that I've ever had, I make it very clear that yes, I have tons of guy friends. They are just friends. They've always just been friends. Um, and I had an issue in my first relationship that ended where that person was not clear about their friends and if they were just friends. And I tried. I I pried. I was like, hey, are you sure there's nothing going on here? Like, just 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 making sure that, that nothing's happening. Um, and honestly, I never really got a clear response. So it was on me for staying in that situation for so long. I should have known. I should have been wiser. But again, like what you think is love and what you think is excitement about another person or what can be excitement about another friend or another partner is is blinding. It, it can it can really filter out all of those red flags and paint them green. Um, and lastly, insecurity and dishonesty can look like the inability to have metacommunication. So, you guys are probably like, girl boss, metacommunication? Yes, I opened up my college um, textbook for this one because I knew there was a word for it. But essentially, it's just, it's exactly what you think it would be. It's communication about communication, right? Like, you need to be able to... And this is tough when you're young, right? Because not every, like, teenage relationship is going to have a sit-down being like, hey, let's talk about our, like, compatibility when it comes to communication and our communication patterns. Like, no. I'm going to be honest, I haven't even had that conversation yet. But being able to kind of consciously understand each other's, like, communication patterns and, like, kind of compromise with them... mm, this is a this is a struggle. That being said, <laughs> too much metacommunication. If your entire relationship is talking about your communication, I've had this in in friendships. I've had this in my past relationship, um, where it's just pounding at this idea that we need to fix our communication because this is not working. Um, it's hard because sometimes someone just sends out a message 
like a very clear message of like, hey, this is not working. I, I cannot do this. Like I've changed on my part as much as I can. It's up to you to change. And, you know, it's just like a constant cycle of that because someone's not changing or someone's not giving in that that can be really frustrating it can it can feel like just like hitting your head against a wall a thousand times um that that's an example of insecurity and dishonesty um so yeah that that's that pair again arguably the most important pair of this episode these next two are going to go by pretty quick because they're pretty self-explanatory um but next pair is compromise in a healthy relationship and control in an unhealthy relationship so what does compromise look like it means simply meeting halfway. Um, again, no two people are the same. Um, everyone has different lives. Everyone has different beliefs. Um, and everyone has a different past, a different story. Um, so I guess a good, like, the only good example I can really think of for a compromise is, like, plans. I mean, if someone's busy doing something they love, like, oh, music, sports or something, and the other person really wants to hang out and they really want to hang out this one day but homie can't because homie's busy doing stuff they love um you know someone's got to give in right and i would hope that you know that person would understand like that that other person needs time to do the things they like right um which goes hand in hand to my next pair here but i won't get ahead of myself secondly is control again these are like two very self-explanatory ideas control in an unhealthy relationship looks like one-sided decisions oh i definitely just came up with a couple examples <laughs> yikes um someone you know just making decisions for the both of you um or if you find yourself making decisions all the time for you and your counterpart maybe look into that because again i'm saying all these things as if it's the other person acting that way towards you because you know Likely, you are in relationships where this is happening to you. I can guarantee it because no one has perfect relationships. I have relationships that are probably like this too that I don't realize. Um, But it's also, it's also like equally as important to look inwards in yourself and be able to see what you are projecting outwards because you are 50% of your interpersonal connections. Interpersonal meaning you and one other person, right? Um, control in an unhealthy relationship can also look like feelings of undeserving guilt. So obviously that's on the receiving end of being controlled in a relationship. Um, feeling like, you know, you didn't really deserve to be treated that way. Feeling like maybe you did something wrong or if you feel, if you feel guilt after speaking up or just trying to express yourself, control in the same vein, nervousness or fear around them big red flags. So pretty self-explanatory little duo, little pair there. We're rhyming. Our last pair before I go into, you know, my personal ideas um, is individuality in a healthy relationship and dependence in unhealthy relationships. Now I could have said independence, independence, but I figured that independence goes along with individuality anyway um, individuality just has a little more to it. So what does individuality look like in a healthy relationship? It looks like fulfilling personal lives. The two of you have your own lives and can live without the other realistically. Of course, that's probably worst case scenario. If you're really happy in these connections, like I, I would definitely be upset <laughs> if I was like, 
if my relationships with my current close friends and with my partner were to end, obviously that would be incredibly upsetting. Would I live? Yes. <laughs> I, I would live, but it would suck very badly. Um, so mutual independence. Um, being able to spend time away from each other and still feeling fulfilled and still feeling happy and, and joy. Um, because no one else other than you is responsible for your happiness and your fulfillment. And that is a hard pill to swallow. In theory, it seems easy. In practice, she's tough. Dependence. Dependence in an unhealthy relationship looks like the inability to be apart or feeling just way too much stress when you're apart. It's different when you just miss someone. I miss my partner all the time. <laughs> is it unhealthy? Not that I'm aware. Not that I'm aware. And secondly, loss of identity without them. This one, this one is super interesting because in my experience, um, oh, how do I even go about explaining this? I, I definitely became an entirely different person when I broke my ties with Firstly, my ex, my, my former friends, my, I guess, ex friend group, you could say, because again, I was forcing myself so hard into this mold um, of someone that I just am not. And once the, the mold was suddenly gone and I let go of it, I was like, holy cow, who am I? Right. And for me, that took me actually ending that connection. But if you can recognize that feeling while you are in these relationships, that's arguably better. So that's individuality independence. So those are my four kind of pairs, um, kind of giving you an idea, a little compare and contrast of what, you know, in a textbook would define a healthy and unhealthy relationship and kind of things, some food for thought that you can apply to your own relationships. Now, for the little spice in this episode, um, not that kind of spice, calm your horses, um, but for my little, my little touch here, um, chemistry. I have no, like, unhealthy counterpart to this positive idea in a relationship, this healthy idea in a relationship, um, because let's just end on a, on a happy note. Um, I find that to have a healthy relationship, and not only just healthy, healthy and more, healthy and fulfilling, healthy and exciting. You need chemistry. There are going to be some people in your life where you just have, you have great communication. You, you communicate all the time. You might have a ton of metacommunication. You are, you both respect each other and all that. But if there's no chemistry, that is going nowhere, respectfully. And again, this is something that is kind of more more applicable to romantic relationships. But that being said, like, when I look at the chemistry of me and my friend group now, it is so different and it is so much more pleasant <laughs> than whatever chemistry I had going on in my former friend group. So what does chemistry look like in a healthy relationship? It looks like complementary personalities. This is not something you necessarily develop. I mean, I guess it can be, but typically it just it just kind of happens. So an example of this is pretty like, mm, I don't know, you're, you're going to have to be on social media to get this one, which I, I'm assuming you all are. Um, but like black cat golden retriever duo, I had a conversation with some of my friends about this. Um, but essentially it's like one person in, in the relationship um, gives off like black cat energy. So maybe more like feminine, dark energy, maybe a little more calm, 
And then someone else or the other person, the other 50% in the relationship has golden retriever energy, more bright, masculine, playful energy type situation. It can even be just like one of one of you guys is an introvert, one of you is an extrovert. Not that those are necessarily complementary all the time. I can definitely see instances where those would butt heads. <laughs> um, like in, in my case, in my current romantic relationship, um, I'd say we're honestly both pretty introverted, but like one more than the other for sure. Um, and even in my friendships, like I would consider myself to be a lot more introverted. I thrive a lot more when I'm on my own <laughs> or in a setting with less people. Um, and one of my best friends, she's super extroverted, loves being around people, um, and kind of helps me get out of my shell when we're in big groups. So that kind of chemistry, that kind of idea. Second, chemistry can look like pleasant feelings when you're around them. Super basic, super easy, but you know, how nice is it to feel at home and feel respected and feel just excited and, and nice when you're around them? Obviously, if, if this is a platonic friend, you probably just feel happy. If it's with, like, a romantic partner, I would hope you feel some passion there um, because that is that is what romance is, right? And then next, chemistry in a healthy relationship can look like just being able to joke around them. Um, something I mentioned earlier was that humor changes um, a lot, especially when you are younger. Um, and I remember nearing the end of my friendship, my last friend group nothing was funny <laughs> like they'd be laughing at stuff and I would just be like what like no that okay like realistically I probably found those things funny like two months prior but like as I kind of developed and, and got ever so slightly older <laughs> I was like man that is not funny that'll happen look out for that chemistry looks like you know laughing around with each other even if it's stupid and you both find it funny bless Next, chemistry in a healthy relationship can look like having similar interests, not necessarily, but usually makes chemistry a lot easier and kind of, you know, especially if you're meeting through similar interests, like all of my friends that I've made now, I've met through music, realistically. So we have that kind of chemistry, that kind of love for music together. And lastly, oh my god, lastly, I'm this is a great way to end this episode because it is so important. Action. Probably not what you're expecting, but guys, actions, do they speak louder than words? Yeah, <laughs> they, they sure freaking do. You can say you're going to do better all you want. You can say you're going to change all you want. But are you? Are, are you really going to change? I've spent so much of my life wasted in certain relationships and connections, platonic and romantic, where you're just beating a dead horse. I hate that saying so much, but seriously, like, that's just what it felt like because it would be the same conversations over and over and, you know, your counterpart, they might know they're in the wrong and they might not change at all, right? And again, important to recognize, look into yourself as well. When you have these kinds of conversations or, God forbid, arguments are you open-minded? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to change for this relationship and connection? And sometimes you're not. Sometimes it's just, it's not worth it to change an aspect of yourself or to change how you act around them. Maybe it's just not worth the relationship. And, you know, that kind of brings in the idea of like the social exchange theory, right? Where you're talking about is how much you give 
doesn't make sense with how much you receive from that relationship. And you're, you're kind of weighing it out on a scale. If you're giving a ton and you're receiving basically nothing, is it really worth it? Or are you draining yourself? If you're giving very little and you're receiving a lot, that's awesome. How can I maybe do more, right? So I, I really feel like I just covered all of that quite well. <laughs> I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for that one. Go team. Um, but yeah, okay. Look at that, guys. This was a beefy episode. My goodness. Um, but hopefully you guys got where I was coming from and hopefully you guys can take every gosh darn thing I said in this episode and evaluate your your friendships, your romantic relationships. And hopefully you can use this as a template, you know, to know what you're looking for. Um, moving forward as you make friendships and as you maybe search for romantic partners. Because Again, relationships are just so crucial throughout everyone's everyone's lives from from zero to X, right? And again, especially when we are young. Man, <laughs> what an episode. Anyway, my partner is picking me up in 20 minutes and I am not ready. So I'm going to I'm going to peace out. Um, it was so nice talking to you guys today, as always. Um, again, very, very dense, heavy episode. Um, but I hope you guys are excited to hear about social comparison next, next week. I'm also really passionate about that topic. Got a lot of stories with that one too, but thank you so very much for being here and I will see you guys next, next week. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>